0: Hello, welcome to today's episode of Money Talk with Skylar Fleming. In this episode, we're planning to talk about why it is essential to talk about money. The goal is to discuss how talking about money has helped us all learn and do better with our money. Ultimately, we just don't talk about money enough, leaving some people in unfortunate situations regarding their personal finance. And why is money such a taboo subject? We'll be sure to cover this as well. This episode is gonna be a good first episode for this new group Money Talk style. We're going to discuss why having a Money Talk is a good idea, as well as how to get started with talking about money. And we're also gonna cover some do's and don'ts of talking about money with others. And this is gonna be a really fun episode. So I'm first going to introduce our guests, and then we're gonna dive right into the conversation. So without further ado, let's get right into today's episode. You know, we don't talk about money enough. It's a topic that gets ignored for some reason, even though it plays a role in everyone's day-to-day life. Well, this issue is what brought Money Talk with Skylar Fleming to reality. I know you're probably busy and don't have the time to research and learn about all things that go into personal finance, but that's where this podcast, Money Talk with Skylar Fleming, comes into play. I'm your host, Skylar Fleming, and I'm here to do the research and learn all the extra stuff about personal finance for you. The goal is to simply get us talking about money, so let's get talking. I'm super excited about this first-of-a-kind episode on Money Talk with Skyler Fleming, where we're going to have multiple guests on, and we're going to discuss a money topic and how you can do better and the importance of talking about money. One of my guests, his name is Corey, and he's an independent fee-only advisor. And he says his philosophy is that peak-level financial planning does not need to be complicated. In fact, it should be simple. And I think you're going to hear that a lot in today's episode about keeping it simple. And I think that's some great advice given by Corey there. And our other guest on today's episode is Rebecca. Rebecca is a CPA with specializing in family legacy planning, inspiring families to break the money taboo and to work together to grow family wealth. She says families who save together, stay together, which also I love that line. That's very quotable. So without further ado, let's get into the interview and our first ever group money talk episode. All right, we're here with our first Group Money Talk episode. I'm really excited about this one. I have Rebecca here and Corey, and let's start with Rebecca. What's your favorite hobby to do?
1: You know, I have to tell you, it's not very um, exercise appropriate, but my family lately just likes to float on the lake. (laughs) So we're a little sad that at the end of the summer season is happening. So now it's football
0: nice. So it's, yeah, it's starting to cool down. So you might be floating on a, a frozen lake in a couple months. So
2: exactly.
0: Corey, how about you? What's your favorite hobby?
2: I got hooked on running probably five years ago. Uh, never thought I would. I grew up as a former fat kid. And so the idea of going running for fun sounded absolutely insane to me, but my wife loved it and got me hooked on it. And now it's my favorite thing.
0: Nice. I've started picking up biking this last year. So all
2: right.
0: Uh, huh. I've started biking a lot and yeah, lost a lot of weight and bike a lot more. So that's super exciting.
2: Yeah, let's go hand in hand. Lose more weight, bike further, you know.
0: Yeah, bike easier. Yeah. Awesome. Well, as the title of this episode states, we're going to be talking about talking about money, which is kind of funny there, but the importance of it mainly and why talking about money is important, why we need to do it more. So I'd like this conversation just to start by talking about. Why should we talk about money more? Like, how does it help everybody? Do you want to go first on this one, Rebecca?
1: Sure. Um, one of the things we find a, happens with families a lot, and I do a lot of, I've done a lot of research and talking with families and legacy and passing money along to the next generation, is families that tend to not talk, talk about money often have um much worse of a track record especially when you're talking young people Um, and it was really surprising to me because I actually did a a bunch of interviews and research and the families who were the people who were raised in families who talked about money tended to have a much stronger start on their finances and a much better financial picture than the ones whose families did not talk about money and I think a lot of that is that you tend to just make the same mistakes that your parents did because nobody t- teaches you any better. So talking about money can save you a lot of what I call stupid tax and making dumb mistakes with your money that you can, could have been avoided with some um, discussions in education.
0: Yeah. It's like if, if your parents come up to you and say, Oh yeah, I remember when we found ourselves in that problem. It's like, well, why didn't you tell me how to get out of it before now? Sort of thing.
2: Exactly. What, what about
0: you, Corey? Why should we talk about money?
2: Because honestly, the vast majority of people out there are terrible at money. And part of the reason they're terrible at money is because it's, for some reason, not okay to talk about money. We're taught that from when we first start becoming socially aware, it's just not something you're supposed to talk about it. And so it breeds itself because we don't talk about it. We get worse at money and it's this spiral of doom almost.
0: Yeah, it just kind of builds and compounds and then you're too afraid to ask. You get, you get past that point of no return and then you don't want to talk to anybody about it.
2: Yeah, you start making your own dumb decisions and then you're embarrassed to tell people about the dumb things you've done. So you don't want to talk about your money, even though they've probably also done dumb things with their money. And you could have helped each other prevent those. It, it spirals really quickly.
0: Right. Yeah, and then and then no one's doing good with money. And then, it, yeah, like you said, it spirals and then we're all stressed out. And uh, Rebecca, you shared an interesting point with me before we started about the stress of financial issues. Do you want to share that again real quick?
1: Right, one of my peers and her, her- Book talks about a physician. She talked to a doctor, and he was saying something like 80% of Mm -hmm. his patients would not have the health issues they had if they had a better handle on money. The stress of dealing with money issues not only impacts us financially, it can impact us, our health too. I mean, stress in general is a problem, but money issues can tend to overwhelm people in ways um, no other issue does.
0: Yeah. It just keeps piling on and impacts you greatly. Right. So I think, especially for me, I've noticed because I have this podcast, I talk about my podcast at work every now and then, which makes the money conversation for my coworkers a little easier to have. They're more willing to ask me questions. And that's because I'm open about the subject and I'm willing to like give my advice. They know I'm kind of the subject matter expert in the office, but how, if, if you're someone who, is doing well with their money, but maybe you, you aren't like super passionate about personal finance, like people on podcasts and everything. And all the blog writers are, how do you get your friends and coworkers and family talking about money more? What do you guys think? Corey, do you want to go first on this one?
2: That's a tough one. It's honestly a really hard conversation to bring up with people who aren't ready to talk about it because they are going to feel very self-conscious knowing that once you start displaying that, you know, what you're doing then it reminds them that they probably don't. And so it becomes really difficult to bring that one up because they aren't going to want to talk about it. And it's because most of them don't know what they're doing or they know full well what they should be doing and they aren't doing it. So they don't want to talk to you about why you should be saving in a Roth IRA or a regular IRA because they're not doing either. And it makes it very comfortable for them. So sometimes the best way to do it is to just casually talk about what you are doing. You know, if, if it's someone that you want to talk about it with because you think they might be struggling and they could use some help, what's never going to work is just asking them questions point blank or interrogating them or interviewing them about their financial life. But you can start to drop pieces about what you're doing or about what your money situation looks like. And not in an arrogant way, you're not trying to brag about what you've done, but simply mentioning some small topics and let them know basically that this is something they can bring up or ask a question if they don't know what you're talking about, or even oftentimes show weakness, right? Display the new mm-hmm. point when I was learning about what a Roth IRA was, right? Start with something like that to make it realize that you're human too, that you didn't always know what you were doing with this.
0: Yeah. I think we've all had those points where we hit some sort of financial piece of information and it's super confusing to us. So maybe sharing like those instances where you maybe had to do more research. You had to ask for help. You had to like sharing how you learned where you're at instead of just saying, Oh yeah, I know all this stuff. You need to listen to me, make sure you're doing all this. Cause if you just shove it down their throats, the conversation's probably not going to start. Don't you think Rebecca?
1: Well, one thing we highly recommend is for our families, especially the ones that have money, that's have some legacy and some assets is we very much encourage family meetings um, at least at a minimum annually to share what's going on with the family investments. And a lot of that is, the wonderful part of that is you can um, expose all the family members to the topics about money and investments and options and it gives them that exposure without necessarily putting them on the spot with you have to contribute to this meeting so they start by sharing and then uh, gradually they'll learn and I have a uh, one of the girls I interviewed was talking about her family she goes yeah there's 95 percent Ninety-five of us. And we we regularly have get together and have talks about money and investments. And she kind of jokes. She goes, Yeah, when one of us is buying a house, all of us are buying a house. Um, not so much that, you know, she goes, Well, we're maybe we're just kind of nosy, but the idea is that when you have a large transaction like a home, it's very helpful to hear from other family members so you don't make some of those mistakes that they have may have made on a home purchase earlier. And um anytime you have a, a large purchase like that, it really is very helpful to talk to someone who's gone through it before, especially someone who you feel is um, done pretty well with their money. Uh, and you can avoid a lot of, of those money mistakes just by getting some advice and being open. You don't have to take it all, but at least listen to what other people mm-hmm. suggest you do.
0: Yeah, just being open and yeah, open to the advice. I like what you said about how that family has regular meetings. If one's buying a house, they're all buying a house because everyone has different approaches to it. Like someone may notice something about the house that the others don't, and you're just keeping each other involved. And I think ultimately if everyone's doing it and helping everybody else out, you're not going to have like the one person who's trying to sabotage something because everyone knows they're helping each other. So I think if we're all open, it's just going to, we're all going to continue to help each other. And I think, there was a situation this last week or two with one of my friends that their car starting to go out. But because my, my group of friends, our group chat has regular conversations about money. He's asking about all of us about interest rates because me and my wife just got a newer car. So he's asking us what we did, how financing went for us, what we did with down payment options and things like that. And I think like Corey was saying, you can't just come in arrogant saying i'm doing this with my money you need to be doing this with your money but if you're just regularly having conversations about what's going on in your financial life it will open up those conversations more naturally because you can't really just force them to start
1: right and i will be the first one to admit that i made a really stupid mistake on my first car because i got on that lot and I had to have that vehicle and uh, you know I hadn't even started working yet so my husband had but I hadn't so we got a really bad interest rate thought we we're going to pay it off really fast and then we had kids and um, the, I paid for that car for about seven years and at that time it was not usual to do so so no. I, I anything I could do to help people not make that same mistake i definitely would be happy to share because i learned the hard way how not to buy a car
0: yeah that's really interesting yeah it's just sharing like sharing your weaknesses sharing the points where maybe you messed up so that others don't have to and then we all get better with money together that's right. one of the main things that i preach like it in my podcast is that if we're just talking about money together it's going to be easier for everybody all the way around
1: exactly and it's, I guess part of it also is, I don't know whether you know this, but a lot of times we tie our self-worth to our money skills, which shouldn't need, shouldn't have to happen. So um, basically, if you can separate, kind of take your ego away from how you're doing with your finances, who you are isn't does not have anything to do with your bank balance today uh, we all have there's thirty different kinds of intelligence we all have our own skills and and uh, you, you should find the people that are good with money and rely on them for that and then you can help them out in things that you're good at. We don't all have to be great at every single thing so um find people in your family that you trust or um, friends and friends that you trust that you can get that money advice from instead of just trying to you know Trudge through it the hard way on your own.
2: And how do you go about dealing with that fact with, I think another thing that happens when you're talking about like find that friend who's the money expert, there's 100% this concept that the people who are the worst with their money tend to be the ones trying to dole out advice to everyone else. It's, it's like the financial Dunning-Kruger effect where they're so bad with money, they don't realize they're bad with money. But they love to be doling out this advice to everyone. What do you suggest though? What do you suggest people look for to make sure that's not happening to them, right? Where they're not getting the advice that's just absolutely terrible, but they're gonna believe it because this person knows what they're doing. Well.
1: Sometimes you have to go beyond surface because oftentimes the people that have the most the flashiest cars or the biggest homes aren't necessarily the best people with money. And in fact, if you look at Dave Dave Ramsey's statistics, when he does his survey about who has the highest retirement account balances, it's typically teachers, which is really surprising to me. Um, but so oftentimes people that tend to be good at money, they're really good savers and they may be kind of quiet about it. So you need to be watching and looking, you know, how do people live and and how do they handle money? And you can tell who's your savers and who you, who your spenders are. Your spenders tend to have a much harder time keeping a hold of money they may make a lot of money but they don't necessarily keep it and you want to be talking to those people who keep it so reach out to them and i will tell you also people that you know are really analytical and researchers those tend to be good people to talk to because i know i always talk to my son whenever i want to buy something uh electronic because or a car and I'll say, well, what about this? And he'll rattle off and he'll have done all the research and know all the statistics and exactly (laughs) what the best option is. And hey, I need a laptop. Okay, well, you got this, this, and this. And um, he'll look at things, not just what the price is, but what the best value is. And uh, he tends to buy and hold things. And um, he always, he sometimes will spend more, uh, very often spends more for something or the thing that will last longer and be more useful for him, so he doesn't have to replace it over and over again. So that's another thing. That's a really important thing with furniture, especially. Um, sometimes cheap furniture is is not a very good investment. You want something that's going to last. So just be careful. And also, money is is such a um, it's a it's a tool. And you have to look at it as a tool. And so kind of figuring out what's the most important to you and how, what you want to use that tool for is the first step. So uh,
0: yeah, I I think to to answer the question, like if the person who sucks with money is the one giving out all the advice, what do you do? I think you got to consult multiple sources, especially. So if you're only getting your financial information from one friend, like fact check what they're saying, see if that's legit, listen to maybe a podcast episode or two, if you don't normally just try to, I would say, dabble in other areas. Cause if you listen to podcasts frequently, most all of them will have some sort of disclaimer to not take their advice directly. So I always say, do your own research, use my podcast as maybe you're, if it's the first time you've heard about something great, but don't take what I say for like gospel truth, make sure you're doing your own research and adding on to what you're learning. So I think, yeah, you might have a, a, a friend who's given you just bad, bad advice. So I would say, consult others, ask a professional, especially like if there's some sort of, if there's some professional out there that will do a free 15 minute call with you and you can ask that one question, go for it and uh, use that resource. But so if, so let's say that one person's given out bad advice or you know, a friend's struggling, how do we not be rude when we want to start talking about money? Like, if you know, like, if you know, you, you need to step in or this friend's going to waste Thousands and thousands of dollars on a bad investment that they learned about on TikTok or something. How do you not be rude and like feel like you're overstepping or something like that? What do you think on
2: that one, Corey? Yeah, I've had to talk people out of a few really bad choices. Um, The most effective strategy I've always had. At the end of the day, people have to realize things for themselves. So I tend to default to, if I tell some stories about bad investments, I've made that kind of can parallel what they're talking about, right? Cause we've all done some stupid things. Most of us have some sort of a similar story. And if I just start mentioning how I did that and how it worked out for me, you'd be surprised how many people pick up on what you're trying to do and realize that they might want to pump the brakes on what's happening with them. And sometimes you can't be all that direct, but you might inspire them to maybe slow down read something else, consider some alternatives right before they just go into it. And it can be as simple as mentioning that one time you made a really poor investment. And you wish you had just taken the chance to wait 10 days and think it over before you did it. And I think sometimes they'll take that to heart. You're not telling them what to do. You're telling them what you wish you had done. Mm-hmm. And there's a chance that they're going to hear that and actually take that in and, and do what you wish you would have done and make a difference in their own life.
0: Yeah. Instead of them feeling like you're forcing them to make a certain choice, you're kind of giving them the option and they're more willing to do it then than if you're just commanding
2: them. Even if it means letting them think that you were the idiot and they're going to be smarter than you, right? Great. That's fine. Go ahead and feel like I'm stupid and you're smarter than me because in that sense, you are, you're going to listen to the advice of someone. And I didn't at that point in life, but let them think it's completely their own idea and they'll end up generally going along with it.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And that's that's why it's so important to just talk about those sort of things. Cause if you see something that's gonna go wrong in someone's financial life, share an experience. Because if you don't, then we're all just gonna end up doing those same things over and over again, like we've said. And like what if what if because you're a CPA, Rebecca, what if you notice someone just making a bad choice, maybe in your industry with their taxes or something like that? How do you how do you not be rude and coach them through something like that?
1: Well, I'm fortunate in that I get to be blunt fairly often (laughs) with people they pay me to tell them the truth so um, I kind of get that um, opportunity in ways that sometimes other people don't people tend to come to me for questions and advice so it's easier but one thing I do find that's very helpful is if I have someone who um, isn't necessarily is just sharing but not asking for advice I will ask them if they're um, okay with getting my input or my feedback. and I'll just say, hey, would you like some thoughts on this? Or um, I had some clients that had a similar situation. So I'll use the clients with a similar situation, like curry was talking about a lot. Oh, well, I had someone, they had this, so situation happen, And just watch out for that. Or, um, or or we also go back to their goals. And if they've talked to me previously about goals they had financially, uh, and this decision is going to be in conflict with them, then I'll, I'll pull them back. Back to that and say, hey, is this, you know, we, we said before that you wanted, this is your goal. Um, and I'm not seeing how this is moving us forward there. Can you share that with me and have them kind of back out and explain? Because we make decisions emotionally and then try to back it with facts. And so sometimes um, when you make that emotional decision, your facts don't actually match up or jive. And so if you get them to actually Step, take a step back and say, is this really what I want? Uh, so many times they'll change their mind.
0: Yeah. T- to me, what I'm gathering from this point is that it's just, a, it's a lot about sharing experiences. And because you're not, you're not just going to pull knowledge out of thin air and like tell people what to do. It's always going to be learning from past clients, learning from past friends, family decisions, and just discussing those and sharing those. And because I've had, I've had coworkers ask, they've had weird situations that have, at a bank or something where they're charged some random fee and they don't know any better. They think every bank does it, but just saying, Oh yeah, I remember that happened to this person I knew. And now they're able to were able to avoid that completely because of these steps. And they're like, Oh, I didn't know that. And then teach them how to change. And it's really easy because they want to do it because they're annoyed with something else in their financial life. So also, it's also a matter of like approaching people when they're ready. Like you were saying, Rebecca, If they want to have the advice given, then you give it. If, if they don't, and you're just barging into their life to have a conversation with them, it's probably not going to work. It's just going to be you yelling at them or trying to push information down their throat. But what do we do? So say someone says they want advice. Someone says they're going to make a change. What do you guys think we do if they don't, or
2: what if they just don't care about the advice you're giving? (laughs) If If they don't care, you probably shouldn't be giving advice in the first place. It's not going to have any effect if it's not something they're asking. That's something that I think needs to be said very, very loudly is if people don't want any help or want to talk about it, nothing you do is going to change that. Mm-hmm. So don't try to push it too hard. That's when it's going to get uncomfortable for everybody. But
0: yeah, it can lead to uh, like damaged family relationships, or especially because I think family situations, if you're someone who knows what they're doing with your money and you approach your parents and say, hey, you should do this with your money, that's going to get like really tense really quick if they don't want that advice so what if what if someone wants the advice but doesn't make the change how do you like recover that rebecca how do you handle those kind of things
1: well, that is where you go back to your goals. And so uh, one thing I highly encourage people to do is have a goal that you can achieve in six to 18 months that you put in front of you, whether it's, you know, a trip or a thing you want to buy or um, or paying off a credit card or whatever that is, because then you can always go back to is um, you, you make different choices about how you spend your money when you're working towards a goal when than when you don't have a goal. And it's just like, oh, there's money in the bank, I can spend it. And when you have a goal, then you're like, oh, well, maybe I wanna pay more attention to how I'm spending my money so that I can get towards this goal faster. So I find that is a really good tool to help people kind of rethink some of their financial decisions. Uh, I know one, I have a, a friend of mine that she will uh, take a picture of whatever she that it is she thinks she wants to buy at a store. Yeah, If it isn't on her list and go home and think about it. And only if she wants it enough to go back to the store a second time, that's when she'll buy it. So she never buys anything that isn't on her list, which I thought was a great tool because if you're an impulsive buyer that can save you from spending money that um, could go towards your next trip or, um, a larger purchase instead of just frittering away on little things that don't really make a big impact on your
0: life. Yeah. It's good to put that like self-imposed friction on our decisions and things like that. That can help a lot.
1: Right. And- awesome.
0: Well, did, did you guys have any final points that you'd like to mention or anything that's on your mind before we wrap up here?
2: You know, I mentioned to anybody, when you're talking about money, always keep in mind, a lot of times we get bogged down in this idea of people who are good and people who are bad at money remember whenever you're talking to someone that every single one of us wastes a lot of money. We just all waste it in our own way and it's all perspective. And that will help you have more empathy to those that you think are being stupid with their money because they're saving enough or because they blow it going out to eat more than they should. Bottom line is if they want to go out to eat that much. Great. It's only a problem if it means they're not affording the essentials in life. Right. Because I blow a lot of money on running shoes. I like to run. Right. Other people think that's stupid, wildly stupid, and they are right. And I am wrong. And no, nobody's right. Is the point they spend their money on things that I think are stupid. And I spend my money on things they think are stupid. And if you can wrap your head around that, you'll have an easier time having an open discussion with other people because you're not coming from a place of being better than them. You're just different.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's, that's a great point. Cause yeah, like you're running shoes, I'm biking stuff right now, Rebecca, I'm sure is something different that she likes to spend her money on and that's all okay. Like as long as we're Making do and living our lives. there's that that goes back to the money's a tool thing that uh, Rebecca shared earlier that as long as you're living a life that you're happy with, it's okay
1: right. And for me, the big thing is uh, we don't want you to beat yourself up about whatever mistakes you may have made in the past or are making right now. Today's a new day. We can't go any do anything to go back and change what we did in the past. So just, you know, start new. And don't spend time beating yourself up because all you'll do is just reinforce the fact that you think you're bad about money. Uh, If you want to be good with money, you can be good with money and you can make that choice. It's a choice and you can make that choice today to make a change. And then just figure out what the next tiny step you can move or you can start now to get yourself in a better position Financial position tomorrow. So it's all about tiny baby steps and not beating yourself up because we all make mistakes. We're human.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Find things to ask your friends about, have a conversation around something, see what they're like, see what they're doing differently. Maybe they have some sort of advice on how to pay down debt. That's better than the way that's not working for you. So just, just ask, I would say so. Awesome. Well, that's going to wrap up our first root money talk. And the hopes of this, like I've said before, is that I can show what it's like to just discuss financial topics, because each one of my episodes in the show notes, you're going to be able to find the money talking points. So the hopes of those is that you'll take those points to a friend and discuss some sort of uh, maybe smaller financial topic among your friends to get different ideas and to get different viewpoints. Just like I've learned multiple things tonight from us just discussing different approaches we all have to how we talk about money and the importance of it. So let's wrap up real quick. And I want to learn what each of you are, are up to, whether it's in your, in your jobs or in your finances, like what's going on in your life? We'll start with Rebecca.
1: So we, I'm actually on a mission to help people save that $30 trillion the baby boomers are passing on to the next generation. So um, we have a website, uh, familybankingstrategies.com, and we focus on helping families with that transition so we can help them treat those, that legacy as assets rather than income that just gets furthered away.
0: Awesome. And Corey, what are you up to in in your work or in your financial life? I'm just trying to enjoy
2: life one day at a time.
0: Just run, keep running,
2: (laughs) keep running, enjoy my kids. I've got two little kids right now. And so I'm in a phase of life where I only get one shot at this one. So I like to run a business that helps me have a great life, help people be happy, but also help me be happy too. So
0: awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds like you're you're both in a good place with your work and with what you're doing. And that, that's really the goal. Like if you made less money doing what you like, who cares? Like if you make more money, who cares? As long as you're doing something you enjoy. And hopefully, hopefully you'll g- get some good things to talk about from this episode and learn some good things. But thank you to Corey and Rebecca for joining me on this like maiden voyage of this new podcast format for me. So, and thank you to everyone who's listening. And, um, I hope you have a great week and thanks for listening to money talk with Scott Fleming.
1: Thank you. Yeah, okay. Thanks.
0: That's going to wrap up our first group money talk episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I sure did thanks to Corey and Rebecca for coming on this first episode and really talking through an awesome subject with me and why it's important to talk about money. I think you're going to gather some great things from today's episode, so make sure you take what you learn and go talk about it with your friends and go have a new money conversation about why it's important to talk about money. Ask them why talking about money is taboo. I think that's a great subject to start with, but I love today's episode. It was great. It was fun. It was different and new, and I think it's something that I'm going to enjoy doing forward. So again, thank you to my guests for coming on and thank you so much for listening to this episode. The podcast is continuing to grow, which is always so exciting. So if you can, please share with a friend so that we can continue to grow and have more and more money conversation. But I had a wonderful time making this episode and now we're past one year and heading towards year two of this podcast. So be sure to subscribe wherever you listen and leave us a five star rating. That would be awesome and help a whole lot. So thank you for listening to Money Talk with Skylar Fleming and have a great week.
1: Thank you for listening to Money Talk. The Money Talk show is provided for informational and entertainment purposes and should not be used for personal or specific financial advice. Every situation is unique and different. Please make sure to do your own research for your personal financial situation.